day. I told you last week, if you're a part of Boomerang, make sure to be here. I appreciate y'all being here. And I consider you a part of Boomerang if you're here. And I welcome you. We are on the cusp. We are on the brink of moving into one of the greatest moves of God that this region has ever seen. As you can tell simply by turning on the news, that uh, the world done gone crazy, (laughs) y'all. The world done gone crazy. And uh, right is wrong in their eyes. Wrong is right. You know, everything's just looking backwards. It's amazing, you know. It's amazing what's happening in today's society. I just saw, and this, you know, look, it's time to get serious with this stuff. Stop playing games in our minds. You can tell that this morning is carrying up weight of God's glory. But it's time, look, it's time for the church to rise up and be the church. I saw, I saw Planned Parenthood make a tweet yesterday acting like they're the moral authority when they're back and killing babies. And that's what it is. It is murdering babies. And they're acting like the moral authority. And, we're, and some of us have balled into it. Have we lost our minds in this country? Sometimes it seems like it, but that's not really what's happened. Here's what's really happened. The church has lost its guts. The church has lost its guts. It's lost its boldness and it's lost its confidence and it's lost its drive after the Lord. It's lost its drive. And that doesn't mean that if anybody's ever had an abortion, it doesn't mean that there's no hope for you. Actually, God cares about you very, very much and He wants to see you at your best and He wants you healed. But that doesn't make it right. And we don't need to defend it like it is. But they were standing up. I mean, they made a, they made, on one of their tweets, they, they made a viable threat against elected officials if they don't vote this way. Where's the FBI? I'm serious. Go look at their, look at their stuff. Where's the church who's in an outrage at the lives? Isn't life precious to God? Yeah. Now, this is not the message this morning, but I want want to point out is it's time to get serious, guys, because we're letting letting the wicked rule the world and because we've been lukewarm, and that's not okay. It's time to go after the heart of God, stop making excuses for the flesh. Praise God you're here, you're in church this morning, but how many people aren't that, that call themselves Christians? If Jesus is our Lord, then we, listen, he says, many of you say, Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. You don't do what I say. Love does what the Lord asks. Love does what's at the heart of God. And our message this morning is at the heart of God. So either we're doing those things, we can't live off of intentions. We have to live off of the heart of God. And he loves people. He loves people. Bad things happen in the world not because God wants bad things to happen. Bad things happen because the church doesn't stand up as the standard against evil. 
Because the church will move into places of lukewarmness, up and down and up and down. They don't have any boldness. They don't have any confidence. They're scared of everything, and they won't be who they're called to be. The church needs some people that will be bold, and that's who I'm looking at this morning. I mean, you're here, but we've got to stop making excuses for some of these things. That doesn't mean that we're bullying people. The only, the only person we bully is the devil. People are made in the image and likeness of God, and God loves every single one. And it's time for us to stand up and be who God's called us to be. And see, what you know, a lot of times when what I'm speaking right now is the truth, and when it when it rubs you the wrong way, it's generally when we've been outside of that truth. When we've been outside of that truth, it'll start to rub us the wrong way. And and that's that's our flesh, but it says in Hebrews twelve, eleven, let's go there real quick. Hebrews twelve eleven. It's very important scripture. How many of you would like to walk in peace in your life? Anybody want some peace in their house? <laughs> Anybody want some? Well, look, Hebrews 12, 11, look at this. All discipline, all, not some of it, but all, all discipline for the moment seems to not be joyful, but sorrowful. Right here. It seems to be <laughs> sorrowful. And look, look. All, all discipline for the moment seems to not be joyful, <laughs> but sorrowful. All. Praise God for technology. Don't move the camera. All. All. Right there. All. 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 All discipline. It's backwards the way I'm looking at it. You're like, why can't he get that straight? Because it's different. All discipline, all of it, right? For the moment, it's not forever, but it is all for the moment. All what? Discipline for the moment seems, seems, let's stop right there. It seems. It seems to not be joyful. It seems to not be joyful. But sorrowful. <laughs> it seems to be sorrowful, but yet those who have been trained by it or those who give themselves to discipline, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. See, how many times, how many people... Does God love? All. And doesn't the word tell us that those who he loves, he disciplines, right? So that means that God is constantly going to be disciplining all 
That means constantly in your life, if you are hearing from the Lord, He's constantly going to be taking you to places that seem sorrowful. Seems to not be joyful, but sorrowful. In other words, your flesh is going to react like this. I don't like the way he said right there. That was a good face, y'all. I don't like what he said right there. That's the way your flesh wants to feel. But that doesn't mean it's not true. Just because your flesh feels like that, that doesn't mean it's not true. But why? Because all discipline seems that way. To the flesh. Now to the spirit man who knows Christ, who's renewed, it doesn't seem that way. But to the flesh, all. Not some, all. All, all, all. Seems, boop, I'm getting better. All discipline seems to not be joyful. In other words, I need to give myself when my flesh, all right, you can move it now. Uh, I need to give myself to the places where my flesh hasn't been doing right, I need to give those places to God. And I need to accept that I might not like in the flesh what I hear, but that doesn't mean it's not true. But if I will go to the truth, the truth will bring the freedom of God and it will bring the peace of God. So there's a whole lot of people that are wanting peace and they're wanting freedom in their life, but they're not willing to give themselves to the discipline of it. They're not willing to hear the truth. They're not willing to hear the truth. It's not willing to hear it. And this is a problem. And listen, the majority of the folks I'm talking about is not in the world. It's in the church. The truth is we are called to a higher standard and we are supposed to stick out and we are supposed to be peculiar, not just try to be weird for weird's sake, but the world's going to find us different simply because we look like Christ. And when we look like Christ, there are results. If you go back, we just finished the course in Acts in our Impact University. If you go back to Acts, you're going to see all throughout Acts, the people were amazed and astonished. Do you know why they were amazed and astonished? Because they were so overflowing with the reality of who God is, amazement and astonishment followed everywhere. Why? Because they gave themselves to the truth and to discipline, which meant they changed the way they were doing things. God then was, it, the door was open to God. God's not going to come. You realize if God wanted to bust up in your house and make you do stuff, he, he would have done did it. Yep. Right? That's good English. He would have done did it. He would have done did it. But he's not. Because he's a gentleman and all of this is not based on his force in our lives. It's based on our love for him. Amen. It's based on our love for him. So he says, hey, here's what needs to happen. And then he says, and you need to make a choice of love to do it. He empowers us. He'll give us the power to do it. It's in the strength of his might. He'll empower us. But we got to make a choice. And if we'll make a choice, we'll find that all the power we need to walk the way he wants us to walk has been available the whole time. But in Acts, they constantly were amazed. Why? Because the Christians had decided to allow God to be God. And they got out of the way and they, they were bold in the face of a corrupt world. They were confident in the love of Christ. They weren't bullies. They were bold and confident. 
They weren't just weird, it just was different than what the world had seen. But what we've done today in the church for the most part is we've, we've backed away from boldness, we've yep. stepped into fear, we've backed away from yep. confidence. We, we, can't even, and we can't even talk about the things we need to be talking about. We can't even talk about those things. And then everybody's like, Lord, I need your help in my life. No, what you need to do is get the stuff that's not God out so that God can be in and open the door to them. This is a reality. You reap what you sow. Whatever you sow, you will reap as long as the earth remains. Seed time and harvest remains. Listen, what we need is not just the power of God. Because here's the thing. Let's say that, that Jadius needs the power of God. And he says, oh Lord, uh, I need the power of God. Well, why does he need the power of God? He needs the power of God because he stepped outside of the things of God. Or his parents did. Or the world's corrupted way did regardless he got there for a reason so if God comes in and he just goes whoom and the supernatural power of God comes into his life that's great and it helps him for a moment but guess what he's going to be right back there if that discipline doesn't take root and he doesn't change the things that he's doing the grace and the supernatural is there to empower us to live holy to live holy in other words, we don't just need a supernatural moment. God's given us something bigger and better, a supernatural life. Right. And here's the thing. How many in here uh, besides me have felt like I'm not worthy before? I'm not worthy to live that super... I don't know how to. I know me. Look, it almost kept me out of the ministry because I thought you had to be so perfect to get up here and, and step in the platform. And I was so scared because I knew that wasn't me. I knew I didn't have it in me to do it on my own. As much as I wanted to on the inside, I knew I was in trouble. And so I was scared of that responsibility. And the Lord said, if everybody had to be perfect to preach, who would preach? I went, good gracious, nobody. He said, yeah. He said, I knew you had problems when I called you. That's comforting when God says, I know you had problems. <laughs> but it really was comforting because I moved, it broke the fear out of my life. In other words, what I realized was he empowered me to walk holy through his grace. His grace empowered me to start putting down some pieces of the flesh to deal with truth and discipline and move into those things and walk into that anointing. My point is, even when we felt unworthy, if we will simply turn towards him and say, Lord, I know what you're calling me to do and I feel like I don't have it in me. But my heart is given to you and I'm asking you for the strength to walk this walk. And Jesus will say, I've already done it on the cross and the resurrection of the dead. When Jesus arose from the dead, he released a resurrection power across the whole earth. For anyone who would believe, they can pick it up and start walking in it. For anyone. Yeah. You can amen that. You should. Yeah. Anyone who will simply turn to the Lord and say, Lord Help me walk for you. They'll find the power of God is there to say yes to the Lord and no to the devil. Amen. Yes to the Lord and no to the devil. Yeah. But see what happens is we constantly look at ourselves in the mirror and say, dude, that dude ain't worthy. And we say, and then we let those thoughts override what's written in this word. And then all of a sudden we become powerless church. And we become a people that they don't care nothing about church. 
And why should they? They've got no examples of somebody that's living it the way they should. They've got no example of it. The world is looking for somebody who walks in the real, who walks in the power of God. The world is looking for somebody who walks in the heart of God. Who walks in, Lord, I want to do the right things because it's you. I'm not going to care what everybody else is doing. I'm not going to care uh, what my mom and dad did. I'm not going to care what my friends are doing, what my coworkers are doing, what everybody else in the church is doing. I'm going to go after you with everything I got. I'm going to go after your heart, and I'm not going to make excuses for it anytime. I'm going to let you feel me, overflow me, empower me, and if nobody else on this earth will do it, I'll do it for you, Lord. And you won't find me backing up. You'll find me going forward in Jesus' name. And and. It, you're looking, he's looking for somebody to show himself strong on their behalf whose heart is pure towards him. That's all, that's all it is. The people that know their God, they will do exploits, it says in Daniel. They will do exploits, right? He's looking, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro in Chronicles. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro, looking throughout the whole earth to find whose heart is pure towards him or perfect towards him, whose heart is given to him that he might do strong things on their behalf that he might release his self through them this is what Jesus modeled to us Jesus put on the heart of God he put it into action and God was able to do great and mighty things not because he was the son of God because he was a human who was yielded that's a good place for an amen amen it's a, it, he's looking for people who will yield themselves to him. And we're in an age where we need it more than ever. We're coming up in a time in this church. I said it this morning in prayer. I said, look, one person or one couple yielded to God can keep a ministry open. But it takes a group of people yielded to the Lord to fulfill its mission. In other words, Nicole and I, guess what? If none of y'all come, we're going to be here every Sunday. We're committed to that. If every one of y'all get mad and start cussing us out, we're going to keep uh, our mindset on the things of God, whatever things are worthy of praise. Now, it won't make us happy, but we're going to keep our joy. And we'll keep it, and we'll be here. If everybody, If nobody does that. But at some point, the body has to recognize they have a responsibility that every joint supplies. And if every joint supplies, if that part of the body is not supplying, you're not a joint in the body. You're not a joint in the body doing what you're supposed to be doing. That means not only just being there, but it means also giving of yourself, but it also means staying steady and on fire with God and not being bouncing around up and down. These, this is having the heart of God because when I look at this group of people and I see the kind of people that God is putting, pouring his fire on, all of a sudden I see a group of people that can perform a mission of God like never before. They can bring about something that this area in North Carolina ain't never seen. Amen. That's all it takes is just a few that will set their face like flint and it will not be moved. It will not be moved. In the Philippines, I did a message talking about the heart of God. It was a whole lot of notes. I only got to like the first piece of it. But in this message, the power of God started to fall so heavy 
that people were falling out. They started to walk to get prayer, and they were falling out before they got there. I mean, I and uh, the, there was a funny moment because I had an interpreter, and uh, I was standing over here, and my interpreter is he was um, held back by a microphone cord in the middle, and uh, I think he was overwhelmed too. But he was interpreting, and the power of God hit him, and I looked over him I'm like he's about to fall. I was like, is there some catchers around here? I didn't see any catchers. I'm like, I better go catch him. And so I'm preaching. He's interpreted. He's like, and all of a sudden he goes, ah, like that. And I'm like, boom, I catch my own. Like, that's, that's how you do a one-man service, amen? Like, I'm, I'm catching my own interpreter. I was like, anybody else got another interpreter here? Why? The power of God was flowing in that. And, and I'm going to give you a piece today of what I talked about there. And some of you have heard it, but you might not have heard it quite like this talking about the heart of God. The heart of God is souls in this age. The heart of God is souls, winning souls. And let, me, let me just ask you this. One thing I want you to get ready is the, the Victory Nights uh, slide eventually. We'll get to it eventually. But this is what I want you to understand what is it that we can do on the earth? What are we called to? Are we called to discipleship? Aren't we supposed to make disciples and grow disciples? Well, what is discipleship? Discipleship is disciplining, right? It's applying discipline to the point where that person is disciplined after Christ, okay? What else are we called to on earth? Outside of souls, what else are we called to on earth? Love. Fellowship with the Lord. Serve others. Those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Healing, right? Huh? On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, manifest the presence of God on earth as it is in heaven. Now here's the question. Which one of those things can't we do and even better in heaven? Like take discipleship or healing. Wouldn't it like maybe kind of sort of be easier to be healed in heaven? In the presence of Jesus? Yeah. I do believe. I do believe, I do believe, I do believe. Yeah. I, isn't it? Wouldn't it be easier in the presence of Jesus and the Father himself? I mean, it's like kind of like I come into the presence of God. Anything that's part of the curse, it can't stay. Instant healing. Boom. Just like that. Which should tell you something. If you'll bring the presence of God in you, in him, we live and move and have our being. It's not, his power is not just limited to heaven. That should tell you something. But wouldn't you say it'd be easier in heaven? What about discipleship? I mean, it's one thing uh, for you to be hearing me talk about something that Paul preaches. But how about if we just go up to heaven and hang out with Paul himself? Like I imagine after 2,000 years of being in heaven, hanging out with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Ghost, he got some new revelations. And he probably knows how to teach better than I do. I'm not afraid of that. I want to go listen too. Right? What is it on earth that we can't do, I mean, that we can't do in heaven? Win people to Jesus. That's the whole point. 
That's why we're here. We don't need discipleship. We don't need discipleship so that we can get enough discipleship and go to heaven. We don't need discipleship, right? That's not the reason why we're still here on earth. We have discipleship so that we can grow and win more souls. Everything, when you look at it, comes back to winning more souls. Winning more souls. Winning more souls. When, the, when in this age, while we're here on the earth, it's all about winning souls. You look at the vision statement. Let's put that up. You look at the vision statement. It says, Boomerang Church, a house of love and prayer, living in abundance, winning souls and making disciples for Jesus. Winning souls is a part of it. Making disciples is too. Operating in love and prayer and living in abundance, all that's part of it too. We wanted to make sure though in that vision, it specifically said not just making disciples, but winning souls. Now you can't make disciples without having some souls won, but the whole point is we are supposed to be productive. You know, Jesus' problem with that tree, that fig tree that didn't produce fruit, it wasn't even the season for figs. His problem with that tree was everything God has his hand on, everything that God designed and created is designed to produce. Who is that tree to say, I don't have fruit when King Jesus comes walking by? Who does that tree think it is? This is the king we're talking about. That tree had the curse operating in it and it didn't have a right to and he brought a curse in the tree to an end because really it wasn't the tree uh, that he was more interested in it was the people walking by that tree was designed to produce and when Jesus came walking by there was no fruit remember you remember some of the parables of the people where he left them he left uh, the garden he left the the vineyard with people and he left them with the resources and he came back and said where's the fruit where's the fruit and if they didn't have fruit, if they did have fruit, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. But if they didn't have fruit, they said, you evil and wicked servant. It's about production. When God designs and creates anything, it is designed to produce. It's only in the curse that sin brought into the world that production came to a standstill. That's when... Seasons of production came in. But that's not God's design. That's what he was upset with in that fig tree. It was operating under a curse. That's not heaven's design. And his job is to bring heaven on earth. His job is to bring an end to the curse. For this reason, 1 John 3, 8 says, For this reason the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Or you could say it this way, to destroy the works of the curse, to destroy the works of unfruitfulness, to destroy the works of lack, to destroy the works of sin when the curse was released. That's why Jesus was manifested. And so every person that walked by that tree, it wasn't producing fruit. That tree under the curse was bringing lack into people's lives. Every person that came by, it was manifesting not abundance, but it was manifesting the curse. That tree was manifesting the curse to people made in the image of God. And Jesus said, oh, that's wrong. 
No, no, no. That is, this is not the way this is designed. Everything that I created is designed to produce. Well, listen, you were created in the image of God and you were designed to produce. And what is the fruit that you're designed to produce? Souls. That's the whole reason why we're here. Everything we do in church, everything we do in our life is designed to produce a fruit after ourselves. He said a seed produces after its kind. Go into Genesis, it reads like 11 times after, and it's produced after its kind, 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 after its kind. You are designed to produce after its kind. When you look in the mirror, you don't need to see you. You need to see the image of God. And you are designed to produce after your kind, after your kind, after your kind. Now, as I'm talking today, I know that the Holy Spirit's going to be dealing with your heart. And it's okay to amen. It's okay to, to start repenting right then and, and say, look, Lord, i got to change this. It's okay to let the Lord do what the Lord needs to do in your heart because it's in Him we live and move and have our being. You need a touch from the Holy Ghost. Don't reject the touch by going, well, let me just listen intently. No, if He starts, if he starts moving on your heart, just open yourself up to the Holy Ghost. I can't do what's happening in you. I can't do that alone. That's God moving on your heart. Let him touch you. You need the anointing of God. The anointing of God will help you to produce. The anointing of God. And see, when the devil attacks your life with sickness or financial lack, or when the devil attacks the peace that's in your home, or the devil attacks your thinking, right? Or the devil attacks you with temptation or anything like that. He's not after just trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. He's trying to steal your fruit. He's trying to steal your ability to walk in the power of God and bring production into the kingdom. Over in Acts, they moved in the supernatural power of God and they were coming into the kingdom of God by the thousands because of the power released. You don't need another good sermon. You need the power of God. But you don't walk in the power of God without walking in His ways. You don't walk in the power of God without the Holy Spirit. You need the power of God. But the power of God, or if you go into Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says the power of God is there to empower you to be my witnesses to produce fruit. Go into all the world and make disciples. In other words, bring them up. Yes, get them to the place of discipline, but you've got to win them first. If you don't win them and, and win souls, who are you going to disciple? If I, all I did, if I made disciples for the rest of my days here in Boomerang, but we never focused on fruit, you would remain the same group of people and y'all would be some really strong people in the Lord. But as soon as you die and I die, the church is done. That's not God's plan. That's an unproductive fig tree. That's good. It's unproductive. And the king's walking by going, where's the fruit? Yeah. Well, Jesus, we're a disciple in church. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I mean, I established the church, Jesus might say, and I put everything in order. I didn't know that there were such churches that didn't produce fruit. Yeah. Thank you for enlightening me, Boomerang. Oh, no, that's not the way it works. Either we come in line with him or he says, I'll remove you. I'll remove you. Heart of God. The heart of God. When Nicole and I 
I was, uh, I'll come to Nicole and I in a second, but when I was around two or three years old, my dad was just a complete heathen. Hey, Dad, love you. And uh, <laughs> he was a heathen. I don't even want to tell you what he had going on when he got born again. But he was in a mess. He was messed up. It was bad. But the Holy Spirit started putting people, some guy started praying for him. How many people are happy that somebody started praying for you? Amen. Somebody started praying and wouldn't let go in their prayer. All of a sudden, everywhere he turned, there's somebody telling him about Jesus. All the, everywhere he turned, somebody, wouldn't you have liked to have been one of those guys? Telling them about Jesus. See, you can be every single day. I remember when my grandfather got born again. It was after my dad some years later. My grandfather got born again. I was, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven, somewhere around Luke's age. I think a little bit older than that. And we, we drove from his house to McDonald's. Man, I loved, I loved pancakes even back then. Glory to God. <laughs> and uh, we went to McDonald's. And my, there were people that got, my, my grandfather was such a heathen for so many years, there were people that got born again just because he got born again. They're like, if God can touch Champ Wright, I know he can touch me. Because if that man's heart has been melted by the love of Jesus Christ, there's hope for me and it's for real. Amen. And people got born again literally just because he got born again. That was how much... Well, then what was interesting was where he went from there. One day we went to McDonald's in Wadesboro, and I remember driving there, and we get in there, and everybody he talked to, he was telling about the good things of Jesus. You couldn't stop him from telling people about Jesus. You couldn't stop him. Why? Because he had a relationship. He knew the power of God. And see, if you don't know the power of God, that don't mean it's not there. If you don't know the love of God, it doesn't mean that it's not there. He knew the love of Christ. Christ had changed him. He knew he was a heathen before, and God has now melted his heart. He knew Jesus was real, and he was in this relationship, and he couldn't help it. He was so full of the love of God, and this has been a problem in the church is because we filled ourselves up on everything but the things that are important to God we haven't filled ourselves up and so we go through Monday through Saturday and we're not thinking about God we're not in relationship with him but he was so filled up he couldn't help but tell people about Jesus it just came out of him everywhere he went and I remember sitting there as a kid just in awe of that it was wow I knew he had something real. Now, I didn't understand it like I would understand it today, but I knew he had something real. Let me tell you something. There are children in this world, and some of them have a lot of years on their age, but they're still children of God, and they're looking for somebody who will have something real inside their life and stop making excuses for it and not just leave it up to a pastor or a minister, but they'll live it because they are a believer in a son or a daughter of the living God. And so all of a sudden, I remember seeing him walking this thing. Well, my dad, uh, a few years before that, I was about two or three, so I don't remember this, but it's important to know the timing of it. He, 
He gets born again. All of a sudden, somebody's praying for him. There's people everywhere telling him about Jesus, just like my grandfather was telling other people that day, just like you can be that person every single day of your life. You, and then all of a sudden, uh, he's running into people telling them about Jesus. He says, he, says uh, he goes to talk to a preacher, and uh, the preacher calls him in. He's like, I, I don't know what the, all this is. He walks into a church. Listen, guys, he walks into the church. This is how ignorant he, and he was on these things. And we've got people that had never been in a church again today. He didn't ever go. He walks in. They said, are you looking for the sanctuary? He didn't know what sanctuary was. He had no clue what he was looking for. He was just at church. He didn't even know what a sanctuary was. He was like, he figured if that's what they're asking, it must be what I'm looking for. He's just like, oh yeah, that's what I'm looking for, you know. And they said, well, it's right in here. So he goes into the sanctuary. Well, and, and so then he talks to this pastor and he's like, uh, he says, well, I'd like for you to do a couple of things. I'd like for you to read through uh, the book of John this month. And I'd like, he's not born again yet. And he says, I want you to pray every day. He said, well, I'll read through your book. He said, but, but I ain't praying to something I can't see. That don't make any sense to me. I ain't praying. He said, well, that's fine. Just read the book. He started reading the book, the gospel of John. He started reading the gospel of John. And all of a sudden, this book came alive to him. It came alive to him. He realized there's something different about this book. It's alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide asunder soul and spirit. There was something alive inside that. There was something different about that book. And the more he read it, the more his spirit started being drawn to the Lord. And the more he read it, the more something started drawing him. So about a month later, he had finished up. I'm not going to tell his whole testimony, but about a month later, he goes back. He's talking to this pastor. He's sitting in the office, and he's sitting across the desk. He's sitting in the chair. The pastor's sitting in their chair. He says they're talking back and forth, and the pastor eventually says, Roger, you just need to be born again. You need to give your heart to Jesus. And he said, he said okay. He said, what do I do? He said, well, just pray this with me. It's that simple. He said, okay, I'll pray. He said, well, bow your head and pray. Well, he said, so we prayed. And he led them in the uh, prayer of salvation. And we get to the end and, and they both say amen. And the pastor looks at them and smiles like, hey, did, you know, what's up? You know, and how'd that go? And my dad says, look, he says, you told me to bow your head, and, and what he didn't tell him was all this. He was in such a place of worldliness and fear. He said, this guy's about, as soon as I bow my head, somebody's going to pop out of some hidden door, jump me, and kill me. I don't trust him. I ain't bowing my head. He said, so I said all the words, but I didn't have anything connected to my heart. And you know that when we pray, we're supposed to confess and believe with our heart. He said, Pastor, he said uh, preacher, that one didn't take. He said, let's pray again. He said, because now he had seen he wasn't going to get ambushed. He's like, now I, I'll actually pray this time. So they bow their heads. He prays, and the love of God floods him. And my, my family goes towards a godly direction at that moment. Amen. My whole family starts to go in a godly direction. Well, I'm two or three years old. Well, so now guess what's happening to my dad as he's growing up in the Lord? I'm growing up in the flesh. And so as he's growing up, I'm growing up. I never knew anything but 
Jesus. I never knew anything but somebody that was on fire for God. It's weird for me when people don't want to go to church. It's weird for me. Like, I don't get that. The average person goes to church uh, twice a month today. That's your average churchgoer. I'm, I'm, the first time we figured that out after we started the church, I was like, what in the world? Like, it did not relate. Did not... Doesn't compute, okay? It doesn't make sense to me. Either you're going after them or you're not. Stop playing games. Well, I found out later on that that's what the word says too, so my thinking was okay on that. But I just, you know, it wasn't just me. God, God thinks that way too. Commit to something. My God, commit to something. Let's be that people. Let's be a people that stops playing around. That's what this thing is all about. So I'm growing up, and I remember going to church and playing Nerf football out in the field and all kinds of stuff. And I remember one day, I don't know exactly what happened at that time, but I can look back at it today. And I, can, and I can remember. And I remember a preacher was preaching. And uh, I'm going to come out of the lights. And I was sitting about right here with my family. And uh, probably in the middle. And I don't know what he preached. I have no idea what he preached. All I knew was at the end of this message, he's going to call for people to come up and give their life to Christ. Now, I'm seven years old. And you ever... Uh, um, you remember what it feels like at Christmas time? Like the only time kids ever wake up before the sun comes up? Like on their own doing? That's the way I felt in that message. The Holy Ghost was drawing me to give my life to the Lord. And I don't know what he preached. I just knew at the end he was going to ask people, come up and give your life to Jesus. And I couldn't wait. I was like, just, I was just like as soon as he gets done, just like say the word, say when. You know, say when. And all of a sudden, I'm just sitting there like, and, and then all of a sudden, he finished with his message, and he said, now, if anybody would like to accept Christ, I was like, boom. And I was, I was going up there. I was waiting for that moment. The Holy Spirit was drawing me to that moment, and I was ready to get born again. And I must have been really born again because then I got baptized a little bit later, and it was December, and there was ice on the steps in the baptism. I was like, I was for real at seven. Take that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even, I, don't, I remember it was cold, right? But we got baptized. I was seven years old. I remember at nine, approximately, you know, I didn't mark these down. I didn't realize they'd be important later. But I remember approximately at nine, the Lord said, he, he dropped it in my heart. You're going to be a minister. And I remember around age 11 or 12 getting filled with the Holy Ghost and knowing that I would probably be a pastor. I remember praying in the Holy Ghost and, and I remember that. And then all of a sudden um, we had a full gospel businessman uh, minister come to the church one day. And I remember in that church my dad was now pastoring and in that church... Uh, the guy, he was bringing people up to the front right here in this section, right to the looking, y'all looking at me on the left front. And, um, 
he was bringing people, he'd set them in the seat, he'd scoot them all the way back, and he'd see if their legs were shorter than the other, you know. And uh, he would pray, and the, and the leg would go and grow out. And, you know, as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, somewhere in there, I was like, what? That's crazy. Because I was watching it happen. I was like, what? Oh, my goodness. I was so impressed by the power of God. Think about it. Acts, amazed, astonished. Here I was as a 10-year-old, 11, 12, whenever that was, amazed and astonished at the power of God. The power of God. We need the power of God. That made a lasting impression. I remember watching that to this day. Well, you know, there's something about childlike faith. Childlike faith, uh, it does something to you. And I'm thinking, because I know by now, this man is a minister of God. He's a child of God. I'm a child of God. For real? So as soon as service finishes, I gather all the kids, because I'm like the ringleader of kids, you know. And uh, I'm like, all y'all come back here. So we all go back to the room uh, back in the back of the church at the children's church and everything. And I sit the kids down. I say, here. And I found a seat. I say, here, sit in the seat. Let's get you all straight. Let's look. No, oh, you're good. Let's get you all. Oh, you're good. Oh, there was about a half inch. Somebody's foot was short about a half inch. I said, in the name of Jesus, grow. Well, guess what? It grows. Why? Because God's not a respecter person. He respects faith. And I had some as a child. And as an adult, I probably wouldn't have done that. But think about it. If we would do things as an adult like we would do if we were a child and believe in God's goodness, we'd see the same stuff. So here I am, 11 and 12, praying and seeing this power of God move like that. And man, I'm called to be a preacher. I'm called to be a pastor. I don't even know what that means at that time. But I, I knew it in my heart. Looking back at that time, I knew it in my heart. Well, then guess what? Well, the devil don't like that stuff. He don't like what my dad was doing. He, don't like, he doesn't like what I'm called to do. He doesn't like what my family and my mom's doing. So he gets in there. My parents get separated. It was a bad time. Just a few years ago, it was 27 years later after they got separated, I uprooted one more thing from 27 years ago. I'm like, my, and this is after me giving myself to the Lord for years. Like, my goodness, that thing's been in there the whole time. I had no idea. 27 years. And I've been going after the Lord preaching full of the Holy Ghost for years and years. Here's this thing still deep down in there, stuck from 27 years before 1987. I was like, my gracious. Give yourself, humble yourself to the Lord. You probably got more junk built up inside of you than what you realize. Don't put on the holy face. Put on the Jesus, I need help face. (laughs) Jesus, I need some help. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden they get separated. And for about 10 years, you know, they're, they're they're not like denouncing the Lord, but they're not running to him either. And so I follow suit as a child. I, I don't run to him either. And I had about 10 years where it was like not horrible but not great by any stretch. And I found myself running from the Lord in a sense. Like I still believed him. He's still my Lord but things just weren't going right. And I remember one day 
I was literally, and, and people think this is funny, but I like telling it because the devil's just so humorous. Um, I literally was in such a place where I started to make some decisions that would take me away from God. And then I had a moment where I came to my senses and I woke up. And I realized, Lord, I need you. I can't do this without you. And I found myself on my knees in my apartment weeping and saying, Lord, I need you. I can't do this without you. I, I can't do it, Lord. It's, it's too much. It's more than I can take without you. I've got to have you. And I repented. But what's funny is, like three days before that, before that happened, I was drawing out on a piece of paper how to have a drug organization and sell drugs all across and never get caught. I was designing an organization that I could run and not get caught. I'm still born again, but I'm under the wrong influence. And I think that one thing started to wake me up. Started to wake me up from that. But I mean, I had layers of people. I was designing to have layers of people. Well, I would never get called in that way. Now I'd get called. I would have gotten caught because I had a call on my life and the Lord loves me. I would have gotten caught. But I was thought, you know, I thought that I might could design it good enough to not have that happen. But I didn't understand the spiritual side of things. Praise God I woke up before I stepped into some of that stuff. So then I find myself on my knees in my apartment and about this time is the same time that Nicole and I start dating. She doesn't grow up in a house where people are born again. She never really went to church except for a couple of times. We're dating and all of a sudden uh, we, we start going, as, as I get on my knees at that time, I'm like, I've got to start going back to church because as soon as I turn that, start turning that around, start going back to church, I start feeling this call to minister again. Why? Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Yeah. Yeah. And so at that time, uh, we're dating and we had gone to church that day uh, and we come home and we eat dinner on Sunday afternoon and we're talking about Jesus and she's got questions and then at the dinner table, uh, my dad leads her to the Lord and she's born again while we're dating. Well, it was funny. You remember that verse that says, uh, be equally yoked, right? Well, it's really talking about spiritual in that sense. And all of a sudden, I had a love for her in the spirit that I didn't have a second ago. Because not only was she somebody I was dating and, you know, with the potential of getting married later on, but now she's, she's my sister in Christ. And all of a sudden, spiritually, we came up to be in the family of God. And I felt a love for her. I didn't have a split second ago. I'm like, whoa, what just happened? It, it kind of, it really shocked me. And right at that same moment, the, the Holy Ghost said to me, he said, Brian, if y'all got married, would you be a good spiritual leader of the house? And uh, y'all know, you're young, you're a young <laughs> single male that's dating somebody and and then God starts talking to you about getting married. I was like, I did what most everybody else would do. What? what are you talking about getting married? I didn't want to get married in the flesh. But I knew she was probably the one already. 
I wasn't positive over it, but I knew, I knew that she probably was. But I'm telling you right then, I got checked. Like the Lord checked me. And I went, I got to step this thing up. I got to quit playing around. This is real. This is serious. There's more at stake than just me. There's more at stake than just her. These are the things of God that's on the table here. And I have a responsibility for them. And if nobody else will, I've got a responsibility. And when I get to heaven, it's not going to be, well, what did everybody else in your church do? Did everybody else show up for prayer? Well, they didn't all show up for prayer, so you don't have to either. That ain't the way it works with Jesus. No. What did I tell you to do? What did I call you to do? And what did you do? If you love me, you keep my commandments. And what he's called us to do and we don't do, the things that we actually do burn. They count for nothing. The word says this, even if you give all your possessions, this uh, 1 Corinthians 14.3, I believe it is, even if you give all your possessions to the poor or give your body to be burned and have not love, it profits you nothing. nothing. So it doesn't matter what I think I'm supposed to do. I need to hear from the Lord because this thing's serious and I'm going to stand in front of Him. And, and it's, not, it's not that He's going to treat me so bad in that way. It's that when I get in front of Him, here's what I'm going to want. When I get in front of Him, i got to look ahead and I've got to see that when I'm standing in front of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior, that I called Lord all my life, when I get in front of Him, I'm going to want to hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And if I don't hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, I am really going to regret it at that moment. I'm going to regret it. Well, I recognize that now because now is when those things happen or not. And I need to make sure that I'm lined up with the heartbeat of God in those moments. So here, right here, all of a sudden I realize this thing is serious. This thing is serious and I need to be about it. I need to be after the things of God and stop playing around. I need to stop messing around in the flesh and all the worldly things that the world has taught me. And so I start going after the Lord. Instantly, the call to minister starts falling in me. I can remember, so I'm like, well, where do I go minister? Well, my dad used to go minister at some prisons, right? I I don't even remember if I'd preached at a church yet at that time. But anyway, we, we start going to minister. I can remember going to minister. This is, y'all don't laugh at me too hard, but here was the thing. I went to these prisons to go minister, and I'm on the way there. Smoking like a freight train, hoping they don't smell smoke when I go in there. I go in there knowing I probably smell, I'm under so much condemnation. I don't even know how I ministered anything. It was only the Holy Ghost. But in, and even in the middle, I'm so un, unholy at the moment, but I'm trying to do stuff right. All I'm thinking about while I'm in there is, man, how much longer do I have to preach so that I can go back outside and get another cigarette? Real holy. You don't have to be perfect to keep going and grow in God. <laughs> There's hope for us. But I, anyway, I stopped doing that and I started going after the Lord a little bit better and collecting my life. But I started to get serious with God. And then about the time we got married, uh, the Lord told us to move down to 
Anson County from Greensboro. That was a culture shock. And uh, so we moved from Greensboro. We go down to Anson County, but here's what we have. What we don't have there is friends. What we don't have there is anything else. Nothing open after, after 9 o'clock. What we don't have there is any of the things that we're used to. We don't have any of that stuff. You know, we move down there. There's nothing there, but here's what we do have. We have each other and we have Jesus. And all of a sudden, he starts to become so real in our lives and we start growing together in him. Some of the best times of our lives is when we didn't have cable, we didn't have TV, we didn't have money to go out. But what we had was we were able to sit around and talk for three and four and five hours about the word and about how good God is. What we had was him. We stopped looking at what we didn't have and we started looking at what we did have. We looked at Jesus and we would grow in the word and we would grow in the word and we would grow in the word and you know, that was our building time. That was our foundation time. And we look back on those times now and we miss those days. But now what's built inside of us, it's time to be productive. There was a seed time. There was a blade time. But now it's harvest time. That was our blade time when the Lord was breaking us up out of the ground. He was getting us to be, you know, Brian and Nicole that y'all know today. But there was a time when we didn't know that stuff. We didn't even know what we were called to. We just needed to get in touch with with Jesus and you still need that time today it just looks a little bit different but you move into that intimacy because in him we live and move and have our being and so all of a sudden the power of God starts to rise up and I start preaching and then we go down uh, to the Brownsville revival and we go down there and that night uh, she gets filled with the Holy Ghost praying in tongues and the power of God visits her and empowers her to be a witness to win souls that's what it's for. That's why the devil fights it because it's all about souls. And then all of a sudden we're in that revival. I'm sitting in there and they called for an altar call. I come up here. I'm planted right here at the altar. And it, actually, it's, I was around the side a little bit about where that lamp is. And I'm sitting there at the altar. And the Lord, I mean, it was booming inside my spirit. I don't think it was audible because I didn't see anybody else looking around. Uh, but I, it was booming inside of me. And the Lord says, preach my word, son. Preach my word, son. And the, listen, the greatest thing of that whole four words was not the preach my word. It was son. Yeah. Yeah. Whew, I melted. I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. He just spoke it to me himself. I'm a child. I'm a son. But I knew I had a call. So I start preaching. I start going after him. I start growing in him. I start preaching at different places. I got offered several churches, actually. And uh, I said no, because I knew God hadn't told me to do that. If you love me, you'll, you'll do what I say. You'll keep my commandments. You'll do what I say. And then all of a sudden, you know, I start, he didn't tell me to take those churches. People, I wanted to take, my flesh wanted to take those churches. I wanted to be the pastor that I had seen at 9 and 11. I wanted to be that guy. This is some 20 years later. But I knew, you know, I didn't jump the gun. You know what would have happened if I did? I would have hurt myself and I would have hurt other people and I would have hurt our family. You, you don't just jump just because you want to go do something. You've got to hear from God in his his word is the, is the power to make those things happen. And until you hear his word, you give yourself in intimacy. You give yourself in foundation until you hear the word go. And then you move. 
But he told me to preach. And so that didn't mean pastor. God's very specific in what he says. He said preach. So every time the door was open to preach, I would go preach. Well, the things of God started becoming so real inside of us. And then we got a hold of a set of videotapes by Brother David Hogan. And the name of the tapes were Faith to Raise the Dead. And at that time, when they did it, they had like over 100 people, I think, raised from the dead in their ministry. Like legitimately dead. And then he was preaching with such a conviction and such a fire and I literally, I, Nicole and I had this conversation, I was crying out, I was like where is this in America? Where, because he was a missionary in Mexico, where is this? Where are these people? And the Lord said you be that. Yeah. Oh now I've got to get serious. You be that. And it began a journey of hungering after the fire of God. And then on that, there were four videos, you know, those VCR tapes that had like the magnetic tape that used to come out and it would go around and it had those wheels. And if it was old, then it would come out like this, right? Like it wasn't just a button on a digital screen at that time. It was like something you held and you had to clean it and there was tracking because if not, it would be jerking around in the, in the thing. It was called a VCR tape. It was, and when the boxes were like this big, especially when they came out. It was amazing. Amen. On the third tape, on the third tape, he talked about the baptism of fire. And I started, as he preached, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you can watch all these videos now. Uh, on YouTube, go search David Hogan, Faith to Raise the Dead. Watch him, one, two, three, four. And he talks about the baptism of fire and the fire of God. But I'm telling you, don't go in watching them with a spirit of religion because it'll either get pissed off or kicked out, one or the other. <laughs> it will. All of a sudden, he starts talking about that. The faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. I start hungering. For the fire of God. I didn't even know what I was hungry for. I just wanted whatever he was talking about. People around us were saying, Brian, you're, you're getting so, you're growing so fast. He's, you know, people would tell us he is growing so fast. And, and over the time, we just kept blowing through mentors in our life because we would hit places that they weren't hungry for. But I was not slowing up because I'm looking for that kind of thing to happen in America. I'm looking for the power of God to be released and for this thing to be real and quit being a story that somebody told. Quit being theory. This is not about a theory and, and an ethereal God that doesn't exist. This is about a God who's real and He loves you and He wants to take part in your life and He wants to be real to you, to your family, to your friends, to your co-workers and to the whole world. It's not theory. He's a powerful, loving God who exists. And so we would have leader after leader who would not be hungry and they would be stagnant and we'd blow past them. And, and I'm sorry, but I can't stop because you stopped. It doesn't matter if you're the leader or not. I've got to go after God. We're all called to the same thing. And then I went to a meeting. That hunger, I went to this meeting. And uh, in the meeting, I think I had, um, 
I think we had about 12 or $15 in the bank. And at that point, it's like, do we really have it in the bank? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know if we actually had that. In, but it said it on the screen or when I called because I don't think they had the screens quite like that then. But when I called, it told me I had that. So for now, I have it. Glory to God. And so I go, I put like $5 in the car to drive over to South Carolina, right below Charlotte, and I go to this meeting. And in this meeting, a man gets up and he starts preaching about the heart of God and the mind of Christ. And he's talking about that and he said, you can have the mind of Christ. You can know what's on his mind and what's in his heart. And if you'd like these things, if you'd like that, and what I, I think he was preaching more on the mind of Christ, but what I walked away with was the heart of God in that, in that area. He said, if you'd like this, he said, I want you to get up and pray. And I'm going to pray for you. And so I was sitting there in that, and all of a sudden, there was like 300 people getting prayed for. There was a bunch of people at this meeting. And uh, I didn't have, this is the same meeting where I'd given away all my money. And I said, Lord, I just want so much to give you something. I have it in my heart. I just want to give. I do not want this offering to come by and me not give you something. But I already, I don't have it in the checking account. I don't have anything on me. And I said, what can I give? And the Holy Ghost said, reach in your pocket again. Well, I'd done reached in my pocket like three or four times it felt like. Reach in your pocket again. I reach back in my pocket and I pull out a penny. I don't know how that penny got there, but it was miraculous to me. And I just cried. That's the biggest offering I've ever given because it represented everything we had. Because I'd given everything else. I was there hoping I would get home on the gases. Everything I had, but we were hungry for the things of God. Hungry. So I'm sitting there, this guy starts praying, there's rows and rows, there's like six rows of people in front of me and, and they're all falling out, every single one of them, pray, 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 well, I didn't like emotionalism, I don't like somebody moving, like let it be real or don't do it. And I'm sitting there and you know, I'm, I'm young, stupid, I got religion on me, and, but I am hungry and I'm humble before the Lord in this aspect. And I said, Lord, now, that ain't right. I know that every single one of them, this is what I'm you know, praying on the inside, I know every single one of them ain't feeling your power to fall out. I can imagine the Lord laughing at me, but I didn't hear him laughing at me, but I can imagine. And he says, he says, you're right. Not all of them are under the power. And I was thinking, why do you, because I asked them, why do you allow this when people are just being emotional? They're not feeling anything. They're just falling back because everybody else is doing it. Why do you allow this? He said, you're right. Not all of them are feeling the power of God. He said, he said but, and some of them are being emotional, but there's some in that crowd that when they fall back, that's their way of showing their humility towards me, of submitting them, their selves to me. And I went, oh, you know, taking my discipline that my flesh didn't like. Oh, I said, well, I want to be that. And he said, then fall back. 
I was like, oh, man. So the guy comes back. I didn't, I didn't want to fall back. I don't want to change. But I was like, I, no, at that point, I was really, I was like, okay, I'll do it. I was like, I want to submit. I, I want to be totally submitted to you, Lord. And so when he comes by, and sure enough, the guy comes by. He lays hands. He touches my head. I felt nothing. You would think that after having that conversation, maybe just the power of God be like, boom, and knock me back. No, he came by, he went, touched my head, and I went, I feel nothing, but I'm going to fall back anyway. And I fell back, and they caught me. I fell back, and they caught me, and all of a sudden, here's what happened. Nothing, I felt nothing, 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 nothing when I touched the ground. It's like God straight from heaven came down and put his finger himself right on my chest. One of the greatest touches of God I've ever had in my life. And I want to tell you about that. I told all that story to tell you this. Right there in that moment, God put his finger on my chest. And remember what we were praying for, to have the heart of God. And in that moment, all of a sudden, uh, I had a vision. And in that vision, I knew instantly where I was. I was near the lake of fire, and I was near hell. And I was up on a, on a higher point, so I had a good vantage. I was standing off to the left and up high. And in front of me, like what would be going in front of this platform, was a very wide road. And I would say... Uh, I don't know how many hundreds of people wide, but I would say at least 50 across, if not 200 across. There was a mass of people, and all of these people were going down the road, and they were all traveling down the road. But the problem was the end of the road was quickly approaching, and they mostly couldn't see it. And at the end of the road, it fell off into a cliff, and off the cliff was the lake of fire. And what happened was this mass was the sea of humanity traveling down the road of life. And every now and then there would be a beam of light. It was like a, um, like a yellow beam of light and it reminded me of Star Trek. Like beam me up Scotty. Like it was that column of light. And that person would all of a sudden disappear from the road and be like translated somewhere else. And what that was was every person that was getting born again. But it wasn't many. It wasn't what you think. You would like to say, well, it was half the people or it was a quarter of people. No, it was like less than 5% of the people. And I'm standing up here and I'm watching this sea. And here's the problem, though. They're just going on through life. They're just going through life. They're talking. They're, you know, just like what the Bible describes. They're having a good time. They're just going through and everything's fun and games and everything. They just think that nothing's wrong, nothing's a problem until all of a sudden they get within a few steps of the cliff and the people in front of them fall off and they realize what position that they're in. They realize, oh no, I'm at the end of my life and I'm about to go into eternal damnation in torture in hell. And then they stop, they yell, scream. This has happened so many times. All of them, this whole front, they're yelling and screaming and they turn around like this, but they can't stop. The crowd is pushing them down the road and they fall off over into the lake of fire. Now, 
This is not, yes, this was a vision for me, but this is a reality. The word talks about it so very clearly. And they, they started screaming, screams of high terror. They started screaming, no, screaming, screaming. And because they knew what position, all this stuff that they'd heard about and ignored and just paid attention in their life to everything the world had taught them was true. And the power of God and the reality of God that they should have accepted now it's too late. They don't even know what to do. They would accept them if they could, but it's too late. They missed it. And they fall off into the lake of fire. So I'm standing up here watching this happen. Now remember the, the, the message titled today, The Heart of God. And remember what I was praying for, The Heart of God. And so I'm standing up here watching this happen. I start to cry. I start to cry in that moment. And then all of a sudden, something else happens. The Lord opens it up so that I can feel his heart. Because before that, like my heart was breaking for the people, but I wasn't feeling it the way that God felt it. And all of a sudden, every single one that fell off, one person fell off, and it felt like a knife jabbed straight into my heart. And it like ripped my heart. And all of a sudden, and that was one person. And then as they fell over the cliff into the lake of fire, every single one of them stabbed in my heart and ripped my heart. And it stabbed in my heart and it ripped my heart. Every single one, not just one for all of them. No, every one individually. I felt every one of them. I felt all of them. I was feeling the heart of God and his love for everyone. He doesn't want one to perish. He doesn't want one. It's all about souls. The heart of God is all about about souls and we've got to come to grips with look we can play our games in life or we can recognize what is important to our father who loves us so much it is all about souls and that's why we're here because everyone that's lost rips his heart that's my child that's my son that's my daughter I had great plans for them and they denied me but listen we can change that by being winners of souls and not playing games. And stop sitting in our pews, amening, but not being productive. Stop being the ones who will say, yes, we want to do all these great things, but you'll do nothing for it. Oh, yeah, I'm a part of that church, but I'm not going to go put flyers on the doors. That's below me or I'm scared of it. I'm in that church, but I'm not going to show up on time to help it. Yeah, no, see, that is all unproductive nonsense. When it's all about the heart of God, if you get a hold of the heart of God, it will motivate you and drive you to throw away all areas of the flesh and go after Him all in for the rest of your life. And the reason why the church has been there is because they've been eating this spiritual junk food. They're not hungry for the things of God at all. And they're sitting there and God's saying, please be the hands and feet of Christ. Do what it takes. Stop giving in to your flesh. Start being, stop being moved by every whim of doctrine. Stop being in a place where you say, well, I don't like what he preached that Sunday. I'm going to go to some other church. That's garbage. Be somebody who starts to take this thing real even if nobody else does. Even if nobody else does.
The heartbeat of God is souls. The heartbeat of God is souls. 20 years ago, I started praying a prayer. Approximately 20 years. I don't know the exact time. But I saw something that bothered me. I noticed that every time a church opened its doors, basically what happened was this. I started seeing every time a church opened its doors, basically members from this church and that church and that church all of a sudden would flood to the new church. And it looked like, oh, look at us. We have new people in here. No, you just have, you have people that transferred their membership. You don't have growth. And so now we count it as look at what we're doing for the kingdom of God. No, you're, if you're not winning souls, you're not being productive. I don't care how many people you disciple. Discipleship without productivity is impotence. Amen. Discipleship without productivity, without winning souls is impotence. We can grow up and we can have great big lives that shout the glory of God. But if we're not winning souls, it is unproductive. Amen. It's barren. We're barren in that way. Barren is a part of the curse. So then we've got to recognize what we're here and what we're called for. And it's not just to amen and it's not just to move church members around. We are to grow the kingdom. And I was like, Lord, here's the problem though. In this society, because the church has been so without power and without reality for so long, because we've been here for so long, the world could care less about the church. And it's our fault because we've walked in things that have not been of God. We've walked in lukewarmness for so long. The, the world goes, why would I go there? And I don't blame them. Because most churches have not produced the power. They've not, they've not been reproductive. And what we're seeing now is we've created a society that is so apathetic. They don't care anything about that. Whoop-de-doo. Well, that's going down. Who cares? They don't care about anything. They don't have any morals you know, to live for. They just want what they want. We've created, and the church has created this society by their lack of being on fire, by their lack of boldness and confidence, by their lack of putting the flesh down. That is what we've created. And so because of that, churches right now are growing to the place where all the members that were actually given to the Lord, they're passing away and going to heaven. But because they're not being productive, the church now just dies. Yeah. And that's the condition. So I've been praying now for 20 years, Lord... How do we actually grow the church in this society? How do we do that? How do we add members with people that really don't want to hear the message because they think they've heard the message, although they haven't seen it in action? How do we do that? Let me, let's go to Acts chapter 16 and verse 6. Acts chapter 16 and verse 6 says, talking about Paul. And he says, they passed through the, these regions. But look at the second part of the verse. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. 
Listen, the, the Lord will direct you. A lot of people would say, well, just preach the word wherever you're at. And if you, if you find yourself there, go. Look, the Holy Spirit forbade them to preach it here. He had a purpose. He had a reason. Had they done it, they would have been wrong because they would have been out of the will of God. The Holy Spirit had a plan. We've got to open up our ears. Lord, what do you have us to do? And then they came down and then verse 9 uh, well, look at verse 7, the end of it. And they came to Mysia, and they were trying to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Again, we see direction by God not permitting them to go certain places. Why? God had a plan. And what I'm telling you today is God has a plan. For 20 years I've been praying, Lord, how do we advance and how do we grow the church? What do we do? To grow it and not just be, how do we grow the church and not just move members around, but we actually grow it into new areas. How do we do that? Now watch here. He says, and a vision, verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia, this is what's called the Macedonian vision. The Macedonia, a man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. See, had they got so wrapped up over in Asia and into the other area, they would not have been ready for the place that God had prepared. I'm telling you, the Lord, I've been praying now for close to 20 years. Lord, how do we do this? How do we grow this? Well, listen, you've got to have a preparation time because you can be, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't know how to apply it, it's not going to work. You've got to move to that place and hear from the Lord. And when you hear from the Lord, all of a sudden the things will happen. And so I started praying, started praying. And then when we opened up the church, I found out that the condition of American church was even worse than I thought. It was so apathetic. People didn't care about the word. I'm thinking, man, we're going to give them the word. It's going to feed them. And we've heard that every year that we've been here all the time. Man, I just get so much out of your messages. You can teach. I was like, that's great, but it's not keeping people here. What in the world is the deal? Like you have, you have, but what you have a uh, esteem for it for now. Now, but if you don't learn how to put down your flesh, you'll be gone quickly. You've got to learn how to grow up and be mature and put on the things of God. And we found that the people in the church in America in the 2000s, from 2009 when we started the church in our living room, people were not ready to hear the word. They didn't care about the word. All they wanted is their stuff. They want to have a good job. They want to make good money. They want to have their vacation time. They want to have a retirement. They want to have the dream that the world preached to them. And it, until I get that, I'm not stopping. But they don't stop long enough to keep doing the right thing for Jesus. And that's how we got there. And we found that the church is not even close to where it needed to be. There was not any hunger for the things of God. And people just were not hungry for it. They'll come in, they'll get, fire, they'll get fired up for a few weeks, but then they're gone because they got their needs met. And it's just like the Israelites, like we would never be the Israelites, but yet that's exactly what it's like. It's like, I need something, I need healing in my body. I'll go to church, I get healed. It's like, I'm here for a couple weeks and then we don't see you again. How many times did we see this? I don't even want to count them. 
over and over and over because there was no dedication, no commitment, no nothing like that. So we had to get to a place where dedication and commitment started getting in the people because one of the things that we said earlier this morning was this, is that one man or one, one couple, they can hold a ministry open, but they can't complete the mission. The mission is when a group of people starts every joint supplying and they start saying, I will not let go of what God's told us to do. I won't let go. And so then all of a sudden, here's Paul. He's, he receives the vision. One of my favorite parts of this that I've seen in the Bible is the very next statement of Pastor J.B. Whitfield. He pointed this out in one of the leaderships the first time I ever saw it. He said, Luke, up to that point, in Acts, Luke was writing the whole book of Acts up until uh, Acts 15, uh, Acts chapter 15 and even up to this verse in, in uh, chapter 16 he said they did this they did this Peter did this Paul did this but as soon as the vision comes in the very next verse Luke says we in other words as soon as God gave vision there was empowerment for us to be joined together as a team for those who would partake of it not everybody's going to but for those who would right then there was an empowerment in unity for those who would have it and Luke stopped saying Paul did this and he started saying we did this then the very next verse very next verse and here's Paul. Now here's what I want you to see. Here he gets this vision to go into Macedonia to preach the gospel to him. But I want you to understand that when you turn over to Acts chapter 17, it says they are in the church in Berea. When you look over here in the book of Philippians, and when you look in the book of Thessalonians, and when you look at Corinthians, right? These are all churches. Don't you know that these are letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth? He wrote letters in Corinthians. He wrote letters to the Thessalonians, right? That was the church there in Thessalonica, right? Or Nike, or whatever one it is. And then there was the church there at Philippi. That was there where he was in jail with the Philippian jailer. But listen, we see Philippians, we see Thessalonians, we see Corinthians, we see the church at Berea, and we're like, glory to God, look at these New Testament churches. But right here in Acts chapter 16 and verse 10 and verse 11, all they had was a vision. So what can a vision do? A vision can take a word from God. And when people properly apply it and put in the work, a vision can turn into the Philippian church, the Corinthian church, the Thessalonian church. A vision can add to the church in the way that I've been praying about for so long. So several months ago, well, two years ago, two years ago, all of a sudden, uh, the Lord started working in me and saying, there's more than what you've been seeing. You've been having fruit, but it's not enough. There's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. And I was like, Lord, make me more hungry. I realize I'm not hungry enough. I'm not on fire enough. I recognize that I'm not, there's more. And so we started going into periods of extended fasting. And in the extended fasting, he started saying, you're not hungry enough. And then he said, what you're looking for is fresh fire. And then he, and then he started giving us 
vision for the church. And then all of a sudden what he says is this. I started at the beginning of this year, I started getting it in my spirit. And even Nicole was telling me on her own, this is not something her flesh wanted to say. She said, I start seeing, I'm seeing you do things outside of Boomerang. Now she didn't mean outside the ministry of Boomerang. She was saying outside of these walls, I'm seeing you preach outside of Boomerang. I said, I'm, I'm getting the same thing. I'm picking up the same thing. I don't know what it means, but we'll just pray it out and we'll just pray it out. And then I started getting a heart. I started getting a heart uh, for these little cities and towns. A little bit of time before that, the, word had, the Lord had sent a word that said boomerang is supposed to be regional, not just a city, not just a county. It's supposed to be regional. And so those two words, they started going together and I started getting a heart for these towns. And I started realizing, man, the the Lord's going to do something. I believe what he wants us to do is go preach in these towns around us within an hour of us and around approximately that and go preach and bring the word. And then I was sitting in a conference and I, we had been going after the Lord and all of a sudden in the middle of that conference and remember I've been praying for this for close to 20 years in the Holy Ghost. Lord I need a strategy. I need for you to show me how to do this. I need for you to show me how do we add to the church and not just move people around? And so I'm praying for this. I'm starting to feel this drive. Lord, there's something to do. What is it you want us to do? Show me what you want, Lord. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in this conference and boom, I get a vision. And I see a vision. And instantly I see, you can put that up there on the uh, victory nights. I see a red spiral with us, with Albemarle in the middle, and I see a red spiral spiraling out from the inside out. It started right above us and goes above us, and I knew what that was, was the cities around us and the towns. I knew that God showed me exactly the plan and the strategy to go about those. And then at the same time that I saw this in the Spirit, and it was just a split second, at the same time that I saw this in the Spirit, each one of these stars in the towns, I recognize each one of them had people inside of them and they were saying, we need the word. In this vision, I see this uh, red spiral and all of a sudden I feel these people say, we need the word. I felt their hunger for the word. We need the word. We need the word. We need the word. And I realized, I was like, oh my goodness, this is what you've been talking about. I don't know how to do that, but we'll do it. And we came up with the victory nights. And we first thought, hey, this is, we'll go into an area, we'll invite all the church folks. But I want you to see, look what Paul said in this vision. Because instantly, as soon as I saw this vision, I said this. I said, Lord, I said, that reminds me of Paul's Macedonian vision. I don't know that it was on the same level as Paul's vision, but that's, what, that's the closest thing it reminds me of. Look at what he says in verse 10. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. We concluded this was not going into existing churches. This was going and starting brand new ones. I said, all right, Lord, you're, getting, you're taking us in there. You're taking us to these cities. You're taking us. There's 26 cities on there. You're taking us into this place. How do we reach people that don't care about church? And the Lord started formulating a plan 
that we now call Victory Nights. And in the middle of that plan also, we're basically having a big Victory Night here next Saturday called Boomfest. And we're going to invite, we've done the flyers, we've given out how many flyers now? About 6,500 flyers have already been passed out in this area. And we've said, Lord, bring in the people. We are, we've shown us a way. He's given us a strategy to reach the people. Over when we did the first victory night in Rockwell, in three days we did, we did some work. In three days, over 50 people came to the Lord in that. 50 people that were not going to church. Is that right? Over 50 people. And here's what happened. We got up there. We're in a community building up there. And we're outside of the church walls. We go in. There's about 100 people there. We're loving on them. We get up there and we say, listen, we don't want a thing from you. We only want to give to you like the church is supposed to. We don't want anything from you. We want to give into your life. And so all of a sudden we go through, we're having fun. I mean, the people are having so much fun. I'm watching people from Boomerang serve and tears are coming down their face before the message even starts. And then all of a sudden we move into the, to the worship. We have a couple of songs and they're fun. And then all of a sudden we have a couple of testimonies. And by the time I walk up there, Stephen, who was helping us, he says, Pastor, he said, the Holy Spirit is all over everybody. They're already weeping. I step up there to talk to them and do a short message. And there's this young girl sitting over here and she is boo-hooing. The power of God is all over her. And as I start to speak, there's an adult over here and they start boo-hooing and then one over here starts booing. The presence of God starts coming in that place. I'm looking at the people serving in the back and they're crying and I mean, we call them up and they get born again. We call them up. We start praying for different people and we're praying for them and they're like shaking under the power of God. What in the world is going on? I say, what's happening with you? And they go, I don't know. I'm like, let me tell you what's happening. Jesus loves you. He's real and he's alive and he's the same yesterday, today and forever and he wants to turn your life around and we're seeing the vision come to pass I say okay no this is not us going and hitting all of the churches in those towns this is us going and reaching the unchurched the people that need to hear the message I said Lord I said I said uh, told the people I said how many people go to church like none of them raised their hand. I said, how many would come to a Bible study? Almost all of them raised their hand. But listen, they're not, they're not excited about church like we know it. And we've got to minister to them in that way. And the Lord's shown us how to do that and go back and immediately have a Bible study and start a life group right there in every single one of those towns and give them the support and the resources. Because a lot of times people go in and they win people, but then they don't lead them to discipleship. They don't give them the resources to grow them up and to, to be productive people in the kingdom of God. But when we grow them up to be productive people, all of a sudden you start to realize this is all about souls. We need resources. We need time given. We need money given. We need the, So the other day I go to get my hair cut in part of our process and part of our strategy. We want to give to the kids. We want to love on them. A lot of them haven't seen love 
love poured out that way. And so we're believing God to bring things in. One of those things is toys for the kids, right? And so, Lord, give us the resources for these toys. I go to somebody, I go to get my hair cut <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago. I'm just going to get my hair cut. I'm just going to do that. All of a sudden, uh, they say, hey, um, do you know anything I could do with these boxes of toys that I have here? Yeah, they said, I can have a lot more than that. I'll give you, I come back from getting my hair cut and my car, I was driving your truck. The truck is filled with toys. I was like, I know exactly what you can do with them. We got an outreach. Well, I need every one of them you can get. They said, okay, I'll get more and more and more. And all of a sudden, the cars, I'm, I went to get my hair cut. God provides for the vision. He provides for the vision. All of a sudden, when the vision from the Lord comes, provision comes in that way too. And so all of a sudden, I come back. My car is filled up with toys. And, and not only that, but I went and went by the uh, mechanic and the mechanic I said well you can work on this but I need to take the toys out oh what are the toys for so I tell him about victory nights he goes oh and he says go write him a check and so I come back I went to get my hair cut the Lord told me to go to the mechanic I come back I've got a car full of toys and a check in my pocket to give to the victory night the Lord providing for the souls See, when you have a, a group that will say, Lord, we will be about your business. We will be about your heart. We care about everyone that falls off the end of that cliff. We care about how it wrenches your heart. I don't want to see another one fall off that doesn't have to fall off. I will be about your business, Lord. We will be about your business. All of a sudden, we can move into the place where our families, the stuff that you've gone through in your life, you didn't have to go through if the church would have been being the church. But if we will be the church now, there's stuff that we can save people from through the power of Jesus Christ. They don't have to go through it, and you don't have to go through it, but we've got to get real with this thing. God's given us a plan, a strategy, and a vision. We know how to do it. We know what we're doing, and we're stepping into it. And here's what's going to happen. In each one of those cities, we're going to do everything within our power by the Holy Ghost to turn those cities into new groups of believers. And the other day, the Lord said this. He said, look right here in Acts chapter 16. He said, do you see Paul right there with the vision in his hand? He doesn't have the churches yet. He just has the vision. He said, that's where Boomerang is at right now. Right now. That's where Boomerang is. You've got the vision. Oh, I started to weep. I started to cry, Lord, because I knew the end of the church of Philippians, of Corinth. I knew the end of the Thessalonian church. I knew the Bereans, all of these churches in Macedonia. It was all about the vision and the heart of God and a people that were willing to go. And remember, a people that were willing to support it as well. Paul had people that said, I'm going to send you a gift for the support of the ministry. We've got to start making the things of God first in our life. This weekend, we're going to have Boom Fest on Saturday. And let me tell you about it. It's a big version of the Victory Nights. <clears throat> And not only that, but we got a cotton candy machine now. That's Glory awesome. to God. Like, did you wonder if I was going to add that in there? We got a cotton candy machine now. We can make our own cotton candy. I mean, that's just glory right there. Amen. Big old fluffy strands of 
sugary glory. Amen. And we can take it with us to our victory nights and we can love on the people and show them the love of God. And we said, look, this may be the only love of God they ever see in their life. Let's show it to them like it, it really is. But it takes work. It takes, your, it takes your partnership in these things. In other words, I, look, if none of y'all come, all of y'all just watch on Facebook, but nobody actually shows up here, we don't have a church where we can fulfill visions like this. We need partnership. We need people that will be here, that will love on other people. This thing is not, look, Facebook is awesome. Live stream is great. Archive videos are awesome. But that is not church. Church is where iron sharpens iron, where people come together. Church is all about fellowship. That should help get somebody here, but once we are in the kingdom of God, that is not how we have church. Church is where people come together. It's the assembling, not the assembling in a chat room, the assembling in a body, in a physical place where we can come together and be the family that God's created us to be. Tangi anointings are tangible. They can be passed from one another. This is what church is. We need your help to do what God's called us to do. And we don't need uh, people that are going to sit back and amen, but then be unproductive. It's all about winning souls. That's the heartbeat of God, is winning souls. But it means that we do the right things every single day, and we support the things. This Friday, we're having our last round of flyers. We want to make sure, we want to try to get out over 10,000 flyers. The, the numbers are this. If you give out 10,000 flyers, or you give out whatever number of flyers, about 10% will come to the event. Well, that's actually a big number. A lot of people can't produce that in other ways. So we want to have 1,000 people out here on Saturday. We might have 300. We might have 500. We might have 5,000. I don't know how many we're going to have, but we're going to give them food. We got the jumpy houses. They're going to be bouncing all over the place. The whole parking lot's going to be filled with jumpy houses for kids and big kids, too. And then we're going to have a hayride. We're going we're gonna to have the fire truck driving kids around. We're going to give away an Xbox and we're going to give away a Nintendo Switch. We're going to give away, pay some people's bills. We're going to just love them. We don't want anything from them. But guess what? It takes money. It takes people. I'm going to need every one of you in blue boomerang t-shirts helping people get on the rides. I'm going to need somebody, and, and not don't all do this at once, but somebody doing the cotton candy machine. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Amen. I, I I'm going to need people that will be here and, and show a loving face because here's what's going to happen. We're going to give away some stuff on Saturday and there's going to be a whole bunch of people here, but we're going to put a flyer in their hand on Saturday and it's going to invite them back for Boomerang Blue Day like Spirit Day at school. Everybody wear your Boomerang Blue next, next Sunday. Be painted up, haircut. I don't care what you do. Go all out. Be in Boomerang Blue. It's going to be a fun day, but we're inviting every single one of them to come back here. Listen, on Saturday... You're going to see hundreds of people come to know Jesus for the first time on Saturday. Even more will come on Sunday. We're going to give them more stuff on Sunday. That will be the big day where we give away the most. And we're going to have a big time, a big party. We're going to be having a great day. And people are going to be added to the church right here. But it takes effort. It takes time. It takes money. It takes commitment. And it's time for us to stop playing around. Amen. 
because what we do this week at Boomfest is going to be the beginning of going into one city a month over the next two, two and a half years and establishing churches where God tells us to establish them. Right now, we've got a vision. What we do with it can turn it into the churches that God wants. We need your help. God is looking for your help. He wants you to help out and be a part of what he's doing and go after the heart of God. Go after his heart. He doesn't like seeing those souls go down the drain because they are not made for that lake of fire. They're made to be in his glory. But it takes our effort it takes people who will say, I'll do the right thing even if nobody else does. I'll do the right thing. I'll be there. I'll be a part. I'll do what, it need, what I need to do. I'll commit myself to the soil where God has planted me in the body. And in that, I will find the life I need for myself as well. I'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. And when I get in front of the Lord Jesus, he will say this, well done, good and faithful servant. It's all about souls. It's all about souls. As we wrap up today, I want you to think, Lord, how can I help you? How many people today you know I can be here on Saturday to help with Boomfest and help win those souls? Amen. Listen, I think we need what, like 35 people? Is that what it is? We need every one of you. We need every one of you. Everyone, and then some. You got a friend that says, hey, we're winning some souls and loving on the community this weekend. You want to come help out? Tell them to come on, help out. We need every one of you. The church is going to grow this weekend. Yes. Whether they end up here or not, I don't care. Yes. They're going to end up in the kingdom of yes. God. That's, yes. what we're, that's what we're after. Yes. We're not trying to keep all the people here. We're just trying to build his kingdom. We're putting his kingdom above our kingdom. We're going to do our job. Even if no other church in the area does their job, we're going to do our job. We're going to win souls. We're going to put souls first. We're going to go after the heart of God. We're going to make the things that are important to God important to us. And we're going to see a great inflow of the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your plan. We thank you for your vision. We thank you for the life that you've given us. We thank you for that life. Father, I just ask right now if there's anybody here that needs that relationship fixed. You need that relationship back. Just like I was sitting there that day waiting for the preacher to get done. You need that relationship fixed. You need to be in intimacy with Jesus. If that's you right now, I just ask you to raise your hand real quick so I can see it. If I need to get that relationship right, my relationship with Jesus needs to go up. If that's you, just raise your hand. Maybe you've never known Jesus, but you don't want to be that one falling off that cliff for eternity into the lake of fire. But you want to be with Jesus and receive that good stuff. If that's you today and you want to receive him, just raise your hand. I just want to give you the opportunity. Raise your hand now. Glory to God, I see that. See that, amen. Anybody else? 
Maybe your relationship was good at one time, but then life happened, bad stuff happened. And all of a sudden your relationship went from being a five to being a zero. Or maybe it's a two or a three, but right now you're saying my relationship is not where it should be, but I want to get it where it should be. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. I was doing okay, but stuff happened. I need to get it back right if that's you. Anyone else? Maybe you're, maybe you're the person that, you know, everything was going good, but then all of a sudden you, you found out, man, I didn't love Jesus the way I thought I did, and you started backing away from him, and all of a sudden you, you found out, oh my goodness, something bad didn't happen. I just made wrong choices, but now those wrong choices today have got me to a place where I don't feel like I'm walking with Jesus the way that I need to. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Lord, I need to get that relationship where it goes. I, I was walking there, but I made some bad choices, and now I'm not at that, that place where I need to be. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. I need my relationship to be with Jesus. I need it to be right. Because, see, in Jesus is where all of our source is. It's in Him we have the fullness of life. If that's you right now where you're saying, I need, I need some solutions, I need that relationship to be stronger than it has been, just raise your hand right now. Let me see it. I see that. Amen. Anyone else? I see that. Glory to God. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right. Now just look here real quick. Look up front. And I just want to ask you, if they, I want to give you one more chance. If there's anybody in this section right here and you're saying, you know what? I know I needed to raise my hand. I know I needed Jesus, but I didn't do it earlier. But I need, I'm doing it now. I'm not going to let the moment pass. If that's you, just will you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. And I want God to just be a blessing in your life. If you're in this section, you're saying, I'm not letting this moment pass. Will you raise your hand now? Anyone? Anyone? Amen, amen. If you're in this section and you're saying, I'm not going to let this moment pass. I know I was supposed to, but I didn't, but I'm not going to be afraid. I need his help. Just like when I was on the carpet, when I was on the carpet in my apartment and I said, Lord, I need you. I need my relationship to go to a higher level. I can't do it without you. That's not, that's not weakness. That's humility. And humility is where God gives you the strength to make it through. If you're saying, I need to make it through and I need that relationship to be where it is supposed to be. If you're in this area, I don't want to be left behind. If that's you, will you raise your hand? Amen. Glory to God. Anybody else? Thank you for your boldness. That's so awesome. Anybody else? I need to change some things now. Now I just ask you right now, if you raised your hand, will you just stand on your feet real quickly? Just stand on your feet. If you raised your hand at any moment, just stand up real quickly. Anyone? I need to get that relationship. Now I know there was more than that. Come on. Stand up now if you raised your hand. Amen. I appreciate that strength. That's the glory of God. Give him a hand. That's the strength of God. I need that relationship. 
I need it to be where it is. If there's anybody else, I invite you, just come down real quickly now. We're not making a spectacle of you. We're joining together with you and we're celebrating. Hey, what you're saying is exactly what God tells you to say. You're saying, I can't do this alone. I need it to be, I need help from God. And he says, I'll give you help. I want you to take your relationship from where it is and I want it to go up a notch. And then when you take that relationship up a notch, all of a sudden that's when the help comes. So come down here quickly with me. Anybody that's standing, come down. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. And I think each one of you have known the Lord before. You're just saying, hey, I need that relationship right and I want to pray for you. Amen. That's humility and strength and boldness and confidence. Is there anybody else you're saying, I need to be down there. I need I need the help of God. Don't let fear of what people think hold you back from the help of God. I need to take it to another level. Don't let fear hold you back. That's the devil that's the spirit of fear, not God. I need to be down there. I need help in my life. Look, I need help. I need help in my life. I pray this all the time. But what you're doing is you're saying, I'm making a commitment in front of other people. You're saying, I care about the heart of God. I care about those things and I'm not going to set, I'm not going to set things aside because my flesh is trying to get me afraid. I need your help, Lord. If that's you, come on down at any moment. I just want to pray right now. Glory to God. Thank you all for being so bold. And I just pray that God will pour out extra for your boldness and stepping out in the Lord, stepping out in the things of God. And just look here real quick. Just say, say, Father, right now, I need your help. I need you. I want to take my relationship up to heavenly levels. And I receive you. Jesus, you're my Lord. You're the director of my life. Today, everything changes. I will not be the same. But I will walk in your power. I will walk in fellowship with you, Christ. And I believe that God brought you back from the dead. My mess took you to the cross. My sin... And it took you to the grave. But God did not leave you there. He brought you back to fullness of life. The same way He can bring me up. Right now to new levels in Him. And I receive new levels now in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Ghost and fire. And I commit my life to be your witness every day for the rest of my time on the earth and beyond. In Jesus' name. Father, I just pray right now over everyone, the strength that they have and the boldness to say, I will stand for Christ. I will stand for his things. And I don't care if anybody knows it, I need my relationship to be higher. Listen, who in here doesn't need their relationship to be higher? 
You understand? We all need our relationship to be higher. I appreciate your boldness to say in front of everybody else, I need it to be higher. I need it to be higher. I need it to be real because I care about the heart of God. I care about those souls and I will be a soul winner. Father, I just ask that you bless them now in Jesus' name. I ask that you bless them. Bless them. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them in Jesus' name. Bless them, bless them, bless them in the name of Jesus. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Glory to God in the name of Jesus. Yeah, Lord, bless her. Lord, let her see your heart and your mind. And Lord, let her walk it out with all boldness in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Father, amen. All right. Y'all can go back to your seat. Glory. Amen. Love you guys. That was